Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice. Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Theology unplugged. I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved. Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged. Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much and it's how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers. Theology unplugged. Action. Yeah. Action. All right. Well, and we're going to do a crossover. That's right. A crossover event. This the crossover event of the century. This is bigger than one of our flash went on Supergirl. I mean, that was a crossover event between CBS and CW. Oh, wow. This is a crossover event between TUP and AUP. Autologetics Unplugged, yes. And we're crossing over, too, from the studio to my back porch. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a bigger crossover than Flash and that other stuff you so were you talking about. So if you hear the, the right. birds in the background, we wanted a different feel for for the program. That's just right? a sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> that carry Those birds are real. They are real birds. It's actually uh, uh, lovely. It's just the dogs barking. That's well, let's, let's talk about uh, uh, let's yeah. talk about apologetic methodology. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why? We, we talked about apologetics a lot. We've talked about defending the faith a lot, but let's uh, let's speak specifically to the different methods. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that understand that there are different methods of That's right. defending the faith. Well, first off, why do you think that with this being theology unplugged? Um, why are we even talking about apologetics? Get the microphone. <laughs> well, why do you, with this being theology unplugged, why why are we even talking about apologetics? Well, because apologetics is important. <laughs> is that what you wanted? To so you say? No, no, but I'm just saying that <laughs> in, in, for those of us who listen, or for those who listen to uh, theology unplugged. Um, I don't know that on Theology Unplugged we've done much apologetics at all. Exactly. Sam's yeah. not real apologetics type guy. Um, really? Yeah, no. I, I think I'm safe saying that. You know, huh. He doesn't talk a lot about he's apologetics. Not, he's not here to disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Well. And plus, we can't get those guys together hardly ever. So, You guys are a lot easier to pull together. <laughs> Well, that's because I don't have a pressing. I'm not a pastor of a church. Yeah, true. And and Clint has to make time because his, his 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 schedule is. I got a free meal out of this. Um, but yeah, I mean that there's that's the thing though the question about why apologetics because that is a, a part of theology. It's a it's distinct, but yet it's not separate. Um, just as it's important to be theologically grounded for your apologetic, it's also to be uh, as important to know about apologetics and see how it all kind of um, interrelates to well, these theological Well, apologetics for all of us should be very personal, principles. you know. Mm-hmm. It should be something that in our mind at some point we have we've thought through these issues not so that we can talk to the guy down the street or our coworker or our neighbor, but to ourselves, you know, because mm-hmm. we have wrestled with the faith ourselves 
and we have uh, um, uh, asked the right questions and and come to some type of conclusion about where we stand on the issues, how confident we are about our faith. Uh, uh, that that translates into how 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 you talk to other people about it. You know, if you if you haven't done apologetics, if you haven't done it yourself, if you haven't really thought through these issues, you're not going to be confident uh, much in talking to people because you're always going to be scared. What if they ask something, you know, that I've mm -hmm. never thought of? What if they have something that has to do with how do I know? And I've never asked that question. No, if you've never asked that question, to this yourself. is the time we need to ask that. If you've you know? never asked that question to anyone else or even yourself, yeah. is that what you're getting at? Yeah. So well, everybody you? has, haven't they? Yeah. To themselves, at least. Hopefully. I mean, think something's <laughs> probably wrong if none Hopefully of those questions they have ever have. crossed well, your I mind. I thought sometimes they haven't, and it's, and it's not until you get into your 20s or your 30s. If you've grown up in the church... If you've been around Christianity your whole life, you've been very comfortable with it. And, and a lot of times you, you haven't been challenged in such ways. And so sometimes I don't think people have until they're challenged. You know, and sometimes they don't bring about the challenge in themselves, their own emotional states. Sometimes we'll bring it about, but oftentimes they won't. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when people get down or depressed or you know really uh begin to approach god from a different angle in their own emotional state that will cause them to go into some type of apologetics to where they're asking those questions but usually it's it's state of life it's uh something you've been through it's it's a stage of life it's a you know if you want to call it a midlife theological crisis that a lot of people go through where they really begin to ask those questions about their faith and begin to do apologetics possibly for the first time and that that's why it's important i mean because we want to be confident we god wants us to be confident mm -hmm. god wants us to be assured of our faith he doesn't want us to have a have a have a weak faith have a faith that's always trembling uh he wants us to be able to approach approach him and approach the throne of grace with much confidence and uh, a lot of this has to do with what god has provided in the world in in his word in our reasoning capabilities to be able to come to conclusions about our faith that are confident that have asked the right questions and that have approached uh have approached god in a in a new fresh way so and as we've said a lot of times doing the other podcast where we're talking a lot about apologetics because that's what it's called we've said more than once that the people who grow up the way that you're talking about or maybe they don't ask these questions or it doesn't occur to them and they live what we might call an unexamined life as they're kind of just going through the motions they go to church they do what, whatever they do maybe some of these questions creep into their mind from time to time yeah but they just sort of quickly push them aside they don't want to worry about it maybe they are scared to think about it maybe they feel like I'm a bad person if I think about it too much and maybe it's not until they get older and really face uh, the harder opponents people in the world maybe and, and get and feel confident enough that they feel like hey you know what I'm going to ask these questions now but here's the thing a lot of times at least it seems to me people do age out of the structures of the church that is you know like the age graded stuff that we have for people in church post high school at least and then they just leave and they fall away and they're never to be seen and when we ask why why does this happen well, why this attrition i think one of the big reasons is just this thing because they were suddenly it's like they walked out of the safe confines 
into into oncoming traffic like a Frogger game, pardon the dated <laughs> reference, and they just got steamrolled. They weren't ready. They didn't see it coming. No one had ever prepared them. Maybe they went to college. They got they got blistered with questions. They, they and they've got nothing. And so, you know, had they had had they spent more time and had there been more preparation for them, had they embraced it, gotten to know it, dealt with it, wrestled with it, lived a more examined life in terms of just their walking along, you know, spiritually learning, then then they would be stronger and they would they would anticipate those questions. They wouldn't be shocked by those things. They would already have at least some semblance of an initial answer to those things. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that. And so then it's like they just picked off pretty easily, you think? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> and so that's why, I mean, that, that's why apologetics is, is unfortunately ignored, um, uh, it seems. Uh, maybe it's getting better out there in, in churches across the country and across the world, but um, it has been on the back burner, as has theology, which is why we do what we do right. as a ministry. Um, but but the, the significance of apologetics in the Christian's life, of course, like Michael mentioned, is it's a, from a personal angle, but it is also of defending um, the faith to those outside. It's defending the faith um, and, 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 you know, leaving them without a reason or an excuse. Um, and that that's what we're going to talk about here. Well, speaking um, of being without an excuse, mm-hmm. we'll talk about these methodologies, and, and one of those really focuses upon, you know, being without excuse. Exactly, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, well, so we're well, going to do a series on well, apologetics methods, and um, and that and that sort of um, maybe people are already familiar with apologetics, but maybe they're not familiar with the the fact that there are several approaches. Yeah, that's what you you would obviously uh, think there would be multiple approaches to just about everything we have in in Christianity. Yeah. And so in apologetics, there's not just one way to do apologetics, and as well, it's not as if we're talking about this is um, something that is without passions. I mean, when we talk about apologetic methodology, as we'll see, there are certain people that that defend one particular methodolo- methodology over, over another against another to such yeah. a degree that all other methodologies are wrong. Yeah, you know? I, I love it when you mention certain people. <laughs> certain people out there. It, you may be listening. Well, it's your neighbors. For people, though, who maybe think, okay, what what do you mean by methods? I think, is it safe to say that we're just talking about approaches to it, ways, different ways that people think it is best to do apologetics, that is, to defend the faith. beliefs, to defend right. the faith? And we could almost just go back to the early church, couldn't we, and say, well, look, from the very beginning, as long as there have been Christians, uh, there has been the defense of of Christianity we, and we can and find that in scripture right it's, yeah it's, it's biblical it begins there you see different lines of uh, reasoning even in the letters and in even in the Gospels and in Acts I think of yeah. Acts and Paul on Mars Hill it's pretty explicit a, a actually right that they're yeah. doing this and so as the church grows and you get more and more people and obviously some people with who are highly qualified intellectually who really think it through a lot and do a lot of writing well they're going to set about to make their defenses but they don't all do it exactly the same way they don't all approach it the same way they don't all rest on the same arguments or think that the same um, arguments or tools are the right way or the most the strongest ones 
And I think to me that's the beginning of these different approaches that we'll be talking about. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, and, and, and you know, yeah. uh, popularized especially in American evangelical culture, you have one particular apologetic methodology that I think stands out above the rest. You know, you talk about Josh McDowell and and some right. of his in the 1960s and the 70s, the way he introduced apologetics or the way he popularized apologetics in American evangelicalism. That evidentialist yeah. approach. That, that's that's the way that most people say. They say, what are you talking about? I mean, it does are you talking about a difference from this methodology? And you actually are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I was saying. Usually when people think of apologetics um they don't realize that there are a lot of methods different approaches to it and when they when they are familiar with apologetics it is usually what's called an evidentialist approach but that's just one of many um and that's what we're going to talk about so we i guess we can name off um the different methods Uh, evidentialism Mm -hmm. uh, michael's brought to the the floor on that and then there's also classical which is departs a little bit from evidential, but there's overlap. Um, there's a presuppositional, the reformed, approach. reformed, reformed approach. Um, there is what else? Good old fideism. <laughs> fideism. Would you say those are the four? Pri- and then there's cumulative case yeah. as well, which, and then there would be fide- fideism. That's I, I put that one last. <laughs> you kind of have a spectrum where you're uh, where you're grading these in, in my in my mind, right. sort of like a cumulative case. I think would. Well, we'll talk about that, won't we? Um, well, you know, and not all of these are mutually exclusive. I'm sure we're seeing overlap. a lot of times where they overlap uh, one with another beside each other, but also all four together. You know, so instead of seeing four circles set up beside each other <coughs> overlapping, we might be able to pull those together and see them kind of in a circle square. A circles <laughs> a within circle circles. square. Yeah. Wheels within wheels, like an Ezekiel. That's it. Where they overlap with each other. But, you know, I guess I think the best one to start with would be presuppositionalism, simply because it's it's the one that at least I find out there that is the most um, passionately defended uh, from people who uh, try to adopt a methodology and also one that's the hardest for a lot of people to understand and and, and it's nice for those who listen to apologetics unplugged because I think it overlaps with our with our previous uh, series or a couple of series ago where we talked about uh, the transcendentals mm-hmm. and uh, understanding oh. them that didn't go to press that didn't go no <laughs> those are in those are in the can or what are they they're in the queue yeah they're they're are they not lost the forever but but that doesn't change the fact that we they're did sit around them. and talk about it <laughs> we, quite d- a we bit. talked about transcendental principles i put a lot we put a lot into those i we, we'll post them someday i guess i say we when i say we i mean she mm, i just I, like to feel like i'm part maybe of that. we'll we'll actually do a fresh series on on transcendental principles. Huh. I okay. get it. I, now I see. Now I remember what's going on. It's not that it's not that Carrie didn't get around to it. She was less than perfectly satisfied with what we did on yeah, the transcendentals. That's a very gracious <laughs> re, re, retelling of the situation. A strict standard. We got to make these mind. good, or she just will. She'll just yeah. squash them. Let, let's start with presuppositionalism. Um, because when we're talking about apologetic methods or or ways in which we uh, employ our defense of the faith into the world, um, a, a presuppositionalism is one that stands out as is very unique and, and, like I said, is hard to understand, and is, is something that 
Um, I, I'm not saying I'm passionately defending it here necessarily. I'm just saying, like I said, as passionately defended as the methodology, the approach, the only approach to take the apologetics. All others are invalid because the presuppositional approach shows not only that Christianity is true, but definitively that Christianity well, is true. Well, maybe maybe we should maybe we should uh, define a little better what this approach actually says. And, yeah. And and in so doing, maybe play it over against evidentialism because okay. you mentioned that probably the most popular, common idea of apologetics people have is the basic evidentialist one. Evidence that demands a verdict, as you mentioned, one of the first introductions that probably a lot of us had, which basically just looks at facts. You know, like, hey, look, here are prophecies that were fulfilled from the Bible. Here are historical, here are archaeological things that show that these biblical accounts are accurate. Here are it's resurrection evidence. evidences. I mean, they come in all shapes. That's what most people think. So then what is the reformed slash presuppositional approach looking at? What is its approach if it's not that? And the, and and then is it too like when we talk about presuppositionalism, is can we say that it's just this sort of monolith? I don't think it is because when, really. when you say presuppositionalism, that could mean it could mean a, a number of things. But There's we can at least approaches. lay the basics down, right? But the right? basic, yeah, yeah. So so can we say that that the reformed or presuppositional apologist is going to start by saying, time out. I think we should begin with revelation as primary more than any of the facts that you want to use as evidences or proofs. With revelation, and by that you mean we special begin, revelation begin with, within scripture. Yeah, that's right. right. We, it should, we should be more revelation based. And furthermore, we need to get our, and this is hence the term we've been using here, our presuppositions on the table and recognized what they are. Right. And so, what do we mean by then? presuppositions how do those play a role in a discussion well, between they, a believer and an unbeliever? i think those are two separate things in a, from a presuppositionalist approach although they're uh, they're part of the approach when you're talking about the presuppositions of the world i think you can think of it this way there are presuppositions of the world and there are ultimate presuppositions in the bible okay so you've got the presupposition of the bible and then you also got the presuppositions of the world so whenever you think of presuppositionalism i mean it's easy enough to think of presuppositions so let's say i'm talking to a guy and he says i don't believe all this stuff you know a bunch of bunch of nonsense uh you you all you jesus types always trying to talk to us and you and you say i'm going to talk to this guy i'm going to try to reason with this guy i'm going to see what i can do in terms of trying to be a witness to this guy he he has there are things that he believes deep down things he presupposes he just assumes they're true he operates as though they're true they yeah. they're just they're deeply rooted in his in the structures of his worldview that differ dramatically with yours and so we would want to bring those out or at least we recognize those because if we fail to recognize those so would say the reformed apologist we're going to spin our wheels on specific data you know oh jesus uh, finer points of history while failing to recognize what's most what's more primary and important and fundamental in this discussion which is where you're coming from versus where I'm coming from, and the degree to which, and I think this is an important part of their basic argument, the degree to which you, as you are, as you debate me on this, are borrowing from, or if you want to be more negative about it, stealing, ripping off elements from my worldview. You can't explain, that is to say, some basic values that you're using to argue. Or you can't even um, explain your capacity to argue. Okay. 
So what would they without. be? So something like reason itself. Mm-hmm. The fact that reason. The fact. The that laws we, of logic, laws which of govern logic. reason, and no, thought yeah, and being, yeah. both mean, thought and being. It's yeah. it's it, it, before you even start as a, let's say you're an atheist and you're making an argument, you might put forth your case, your evidential case. You know, here's the evidences that I say that God doesn't exist. Or the lack, or the of, lack evidence. of evidence. Right. That right. God exists. The presuppositional say, hold, hold, hold on, wait a minute. You know, before you go any further, you have already reasoned in a circle because in order to make an argument that God does not exist there are presuppositions that have to be in place in order for your argument to be intelligible at all so if you are speaking intelligibly God already exists I mean that's that's the idea and so it's it's arguing from their presuppositions making them understand that they cannot make an argument at all for God's non-existence without assuming that he exists first. And, I mean, you've got all kinds of And what of that things. means, and the, the assumption is because God exists, therefore logic. Because God exists, therefore reason. Um, Not to mention moral and because moral God statements. Exists, because let's good, say the atheist comes at you with evil. Yeah. God's bad. God lets bad things happen. He he destroyed people in the Old Testament. He, he's mean. And they're presupposing. All the while, you're presupposing some kind of standard it transcends us all that's subjective and so again uh the presuppositionalist says there you're scoring more points from mm-hmm. for for my worldview um sort of like you know in reagan-esque fashion there you go again <laughs> or uh or probably more bonson-esque fashion would be accurate but right because that's sort of what the classic guys the guys who were the who were the great paradigms of this way of thinking like bonson yeah. who did this um, Van Til type thinkers, that's what they did basically. They just they just would almost almost annoyingly and repetitively keep coming back to the person and saying, "Time out, you you haven't grounded that." You, you, there's no, you can't account for these things. You, you, you can't. Know? How do you account for what you're saying right now? You say God is evil. What's that even mean? I I can explain what it means because I have the resources coming from where I come from. I can justify. I don't know what it, it could possibly mean for you. That's Clark. I can justify yeah. it. You know what I mean? It can be uh, justifiable. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and from their standpoint, it's not only, it's not only you're, you're scoring points here, and um, you are showing, by your presuppositions that God exists, you are showing definitively, you know. Whereas they may look at another camp like the evidentialist camp and say, that evidentialist camp is really weak. Because right. the evidentialist camp, maybe it shows evidences, and we like the evidences and all. You know, the presuppositionalist isn't going to say we hate the evidences, the evidences are, are no good. No. They would just say the no. evidences alone, if you're approaching it from that way, kind of an inductive rather than a deductive. Uh-huh. If you're starting from zero and trying to build a case from ground zero, then that you're, you're never going to be able to make it all the way. You're never going to be able to make it to a shirt faith. And also, even to address the presupposition of what evidence is. That's yeah. another thing. Uh, so even the, there's that presuppositional factor, that component of, well, what are you presupposing counts as evidence? Yeah. This, this really is a place where it seems like the Reformed person's theological commitments come into play. Because somebody who's very committed and thoroughly re- reformed in theology is going to typically say and this is a point where they kind of differ with the evidentialist approach as michael says they're not going to say evidences are dumb i don't believe in any of those of I course ne- not no they like them they use them they play a role but here's where their problem is 
they don't like the idea of probabilistic reasoning. They don't, most reform guys will say, what makes them uncomfortable, okay, what they don't care for is that some uh, typical Event, evidentialists yeah, yeah. are talking as though, even if they don't really believe it, they're, they're operating in the discussion as though God is a possible hypothesis. And it's probably I'm going, the true. It's the yeah, best yeah, explanation. Yeah, even for yeah. my... But they're sort of operating as if it's sort of a courtroom. Here, I'm going to bring all my evidence, and I'm going to show you that there's an 80 to 90% chance. Whereas your... You know, my probability is higher than yours. The scales tip toward me, therefore it's true. Is there reasonable doubt? And well, Reformed maybe. theologians don't like that at be all. Wrong. Because for them, they yeah. say, no, no, don't give that much away. Theologically, stand your ground and say, I'm 100% sure. I know... I know that God is real, that mm -hmm. Christianity is true. So when I, then when I look at evidences that help affirm it, I say, yeah, good, that's what I expect. I no doubt about it. I, that doesn't surprise me. That's how I would, it, that's how it should be. But I, but they, I think, does that sound right? That, Have you heard I, the discussions I think, I think, here, the debates? Because well, you get into certainty. And again, that's a different presuppositionalist will pro approach that differently. But that does seem to be a trend amongst them is that they do speak to certainty as though um, that that's sort of a linchpin that you well, can you know, be certain. It comes down and to passages like Romans chapter 1 where it talks about the sense of creation of the world, invisible attributes, right. eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen so that they are without excuse. An excuse. Right. And the whole idea behind the presuppositionalist camp is that every other option leaves people with an excuse. Well, you know, um, Not I, I would have believed in God, but you know, there, yeah, it was thirty percent never answered yeah. sufficiently. Right. Um, I, I, I was yeah, thirty percent. I was ninety percent. Whatever else, that ten percent left me with an excuse before God. Right. Therefore, um, uh, all other approaches are invalid scripturally. Like the person's in the role of the judge. In a sense, it's like I'll be the judge here. And you have to run around doing my bidding and show me more evidence. And I can just always say, well, not good enough, not good enough. And that, that, gives, the, that gives man a sort of a, a certain sort of autonomy and position of authority to, to be the judge as to what's true and what's not true. And I think the, the presuppositionalist is going to say, They're going to balk no at way. that. Because They're going to balk at that, yeah. And, and Van, guys like Van Til will even say, sort of to Michael's point, they'll say, oh, guess what, atheist? You already know that God exists. You just aren't realizing it. You're suppressing that knowledge. The truth, and, and, and in I, accordance with Romans I law. can't help but agree with that because that's that's in Scripture, yeah. and that's evident. And especially in our society today, where we do see, I mean, I think we see people being given over to a reprobate sure. mind. To be quite honest, but that's a that's a whole nother podcast well, series. Well, you got in Well, uh, I was just going to briefly say each one of these. Presuppositional, which we brief, briefly introduced, and we've put it up against evidentialist because that's who usually butt heads the most, evidentialist and presuppositionalist. Now, the classical will come in kind of in the middle uh, between the two, and um, I want to say kind of get the best of both worlds, but I would say that they they have a different approach that doesn't necessarily start with the evidence. is more deductive, mm -hmm. does take... Right. The ideas of um, uh, the uh, creation and, and, and many of the starting points that evidentialists may bring in at some point, but starts there and says, let's start at the neutral ground where we all have common ground. Let's start where we all already agree. 
and that's where the classicalist will approach. Well, let's go where everybody agrees. And then the, the fetist, which is the, the, for faith, meaning just kind of, well, I just take it by faith. You know, uh, fetism is basically faithism. And it, it, would you say it's a lack of apologetics? For a lot of them, it is. It's a, for some of them, they're opposed to the very notion of it, and they rebel against so the idea of it. So is it even call it a po- apologetic method? Because it's not May, necessarily. Some people, it's just well, disagreed upon. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a, do they even say you should defend the faith? If we if we don't call it an apologetic but method. we want to be sure we accurate, accurately yeah, we, represent we, That's sorry. right. Carrie was saying earlier, like, I don't want to, we don't want to just sell it short. To apolo- <laughs> how about it's an approach to apologetics? It's an, it's an at least an approach. Yeah, it's it's an, it's an a view on apologetics, and it's an approach to the outside world, because certainly they still yeah. have it's a way that It's an approach to convince people, to people Christianity is true. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a way that they that think that people come to faith and how we should be promoting that. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.